I recently visited a classroom at Texas State University, where Professor John Zmickley was teaching a class about video storytelling. It was a huge class, with about 220 students registered, held in one of the largest lecture theaters on campus. I would describe it as kind of like a theater seating. It's a big cavernous room, big screens. I have one major screen in the front and then two in the way back so that the people that are sitting in the way back can also still see a screen. That was Professor Zmickley describing the room we're in. I set up my microphone near the doorway to capture what I imagine would be the buzz of 200 or so students pouring in and getting settled. But this is the sound I captured. As you can tell, there's not really much buzz. Out of the 200-plus students enrolled, only about 60 end up showing up. And they're scattered in clumps around this vast room. I'm visiting this campus to get a sense of what college classes feel like now that COVID is more under control and just about all colleges are back fully in person. That's after years of pandemic disruptions, where teaching was forced online for long periods. In a period that many students and professors referred to as Zoom University. My goal in flying down to Texas State is to find out what do college classes look and feel like now, especially in large lectures like this one. We've been hearing that things are very different these days in lecture classes, but I needed to see for myself. Part of what we've heard is that students are more distracted than ever by their devices, the laptops, smartphones, the iPads that just about everyone has in class these days. And I'm seeing that out on their desks right now. But it's more than that. Some professors around the country are reporting that students just don't seem that into their classes since the pandemic. Or maybe that they're not convinced that this ritual of lecture is worth doing at all. And so the stakes are kind of huge. Because the concern is that maybe the social contract between students and professors is kind of breaking down. Do students still believe that all this college lecturing is worth hearing? Or will this moment lead to change in the way college teaching is done? Welcome to the Ed Surge Podcast, a weekly look at the future of learning. I'm Jeff Young, a reporter and an editor here at Ed Surge. Before I get back to that lecture hall, I want to give some context. Back in 2020, I did an interview for this podcast with James Lang about a book he'd just written on student distraction in college classes. And I mentioned in that episode that I've had this idea for a long time that I would like to sit in the back of a bunch of large lecture classes and see what the students are really doing on their devices. After all, the professors who are lecturing, they can't see what's on the laptop screen or on phone screens as students are sitting there during the class. But it would be easy to observe if you stood in the back of the room. But James Lang told me it was pretty unlikely that I'd actually pull that off. I think that's a great idea, but good luck finding volunteers for it. It turns out a professor at Texas State heard that very episode, and she thought it didn't sound like a crazy idea at all. We have um, a faculty learning community that um, we listen to podcasts. It's sort of like a book club, but we choose podcast episodes that we listen to, and then we discuss it. And so uh, we had chose that episode, and we were listening to it. And um, at some point when um, James Lang was talking about students being distracted and, and you had mentioned something like you were interested in getting to be in a classroom and actually seeing the student experience or seeing what students are doing, but thinking like that you, you didn't think there would be professors who were interested in um, 
opening up their classes like that to oh, see, really? yeah, yes, to see, you know, oh, you're, you know, oh, my students are not paying attention or they're off task. Um, and so we were talking about that in our our podcast group and saying, you know, well, we would be willing. Um, and uh, and and the, they all said, yeah, we're, we'd all be willing. And so I, um, I emailed you and said, hey, if you wanted, we're willing. That's Rachel Davenport a senior lecturer in biology at Texas State. Regular listeners may remember Rachel because she has been on several times. She was part of a series we did in the fall of 2020 called Pandemic Campus Diaries, where every other week we published an episode that was trying to capture what campus teaching and life was like during the first full semester of the major pandemic disruptions. That series focused on audio diaries sent in from students and professors on six campuses, and one of the campuses was Texas State. And the professor there we followed was Rachel. But all the reporting for that series was done remotely. So I had actually never been to Texas State before. Thanks to this email invitation from Rachel and the willingness of others in the podcast club to let me observe their classes, I got the chance to go there in person. So last month, I spent two days at Texas State. And Rachel was kind enough to orient me with a campus tour. And I definitely got my steps in walking between classrooms. There's a joke that we're not Texas State University, we're Texas Stairs University. So you are going to feel that. Uh, I don't know how often you walk upstairs or hike, but you're going to feel it. (laughs) Rachel had helped me line up permission for me to visit three lecture classes in three different departments. One of them was a biology class that Rachel teaches. It was designed for majors, and many of them are pre-med. Another was a psychology course for non-majors. And the other was a communications course. I started the episode with that one which has a mix of majors and non-majors. My goal was to sit in the back of each of these three lectures and walk around and try to see how tuned in the students seemed and to try to see what they were doing on their devices. I mean, what do you think I'll see in the back of your classroom this week? Ooh, that's a good question. I think in, in the class that you are going to sit in on, these are pretty motivated junior and senior students who are a lot of them um, going on to, to medical school. And so because this class is so um, integral to their future careers and because they're so grade motivated in order to have the best applications possible, I think you're going to see a lot of students on task and engaged. But I don't think you'll see all. I think you will see uh, probably some social media up on their computers, probably a lot of texting with other people. Um, Gosh, I would be, I have heard stories of even students like watching soccer games (laughs) um, or YouTube videos of of just, you know, like music videos or or sports. So um, I would be very curious to learn after the fact um, if you see anything like that. So Rachel had her predictions about her biology students. But my first class of the visit was that one on video storytelling, which is part of a course in the journalism and mass communication department. I wanted to be as upfront as I could with the students about what I was doing. So at the beginning of each of these classes that I observed, I got up on stage in front of the group and introduced myself. Thanks so much, and thanks for letting me, I'll just be one minute. Um, I'm Jeff Young. I host a podcast called the Ed Surge Podcast. We're like surging into the future of education. These students had definitely never heard of the Ed Surge Podcast, so I had to explain it. And just trying to understand like the status of teaching after COVID, right? 
hopefully we're after COVID, um, whatever it is now, this time after this big disruption, what is it like on campus in classrooms? I'll admit, I didn't tell the students that I was so intent on looking at what's on their screens because it seemed like that might have changed their behavior. And what I said to them was true. What they were doing on their screens was just one thing I was interested in. I was there to talk to students and professors about what class feels like in this post-pandemic moment. And after class, I did catch up with a handful of students to hear about their experiences. And I made all the professors involved promise that they would not punish these students for talking about how distracted they might be in class. So I'm going to go sit in the very back of the room for this. Thank you for letting me be here, and uh, nice to meet you. Okay, so I sit in the back row, and it is the most crowded. As I look out across the room, almost everyone has a laptop or iPad. I count only five or maybe six people out of the 60 students that don't have any device on their desk. And as the students sit there, with all their individual glowing screens and the enormous screens in front of the room, the professor begins this weirdly appropriate lecture for the moment. So, today we are talking about digital video storytelling, okay? So, um, I personally went to school for broadcast. I went to school On many of the laptop screens, I can see that the students are looking at the slides from the day's lecture. Basically the same pictures that are up on the big screen. The professor has made this a download they could get beforehand on the course management system. Most students seem to use their phone for... Okay, well, not for their studies. I kind of have my phone, like, close to me at all times, and I'll hear that, like, buzz sound, and I'm like, okay, I have to, like, look at it. That's Sydney Dawkins. She's a junior. She was taking notes on her iPad while occasionally looking at texts on her phone. And I think it's more of, like, an impulse thing that I am so, like, trained to just, like, go to my phone. By just five minutes in, I started to see some very blatant disengagement. It was the kind of thing that I had heard happen these days, but I had never seen it before in a class. One student near the back in a white t-shirt and a black baseball cap. He seemed to be playing some kind of first-person shooter game on his phone. Another student in the back appeared to be shopping for, I think, a bed on Facebook Marketplace. One was definitely watching sports clips on YouTube on his phone. 1952, you can see about 70 cable systems started coming around. 62, HBO was invented. In In one of the seats in the back near the exit, Haley Hearn was scribbling furiously in her notebook with a red pen. But it turns out all that hard work was for another class. So I Um, had another exam that day I had to take. So I was trying to finish up my study guide from that exam. So yeah, I I was pretty distracted, I will say, during that class. I asked Haley if she noticed other students acting disengaged during the class. In a way, I just wanted a witness to confirm what I was seeing. And yeah, she saw it too. (laughs) Okay, I guess from my own observations, like, I will say I, I noticed about maybe... From what I can see of people and see what they're doing, uh, maybe like half of them, they don't really seem like they're paying attention during lecture or they're um, on their phone or on their laptops doing other things. Some people are literally just like straight up, uh, you know, watching videos, like doing stuff that you can tell is like they're not working on any type of different school thing. Like they're just basically sitting there doing nothing. So why did Haley bother to come to this lecture if she was going to spend the whole time working on a study guide for her stats class? For this course, uh, we have kind of a stricter attendance code, I guess. So 
you know, once we hit after like a apparently three days of missing class, like a no excused absence that it starts to come off of your course grade. So, you know, going is really important because now they're they're taking it out of our grade if we're not showing up to class, basically. Okay. And how could you remind me how he collected the tenants? How does he know you're there? Um, so we have like little scanners on the outside of the doors where you can scan your Bobcat ID card or um put in like your Bobcat number. So that's how we clock in. And then, yeah, that's how he knows that we came to class. Maybe you're not familiar with this practice of scanning into big lecture halls at universities. It does sort of resemble the way workers clock into factory jobs. And you could argue that the policy at a college can easily backfire, forcing students to attend class even when they don't really have the time and attention for that class that day. And if you feel that way, Professor Johns Mickley would agree with you. It turns out that this student misunderstood the class policy. There isn't an attendance requirement, but he tests students on material in the lecture, and there's no recording later on. So he tells them they should come if they want to do well in the class. I have tried the requirement to swipe in and swipe out, but then I become their parent, and I've had students where they swipe in, they leave and go get some lunch, and then they, when it's time for me to end class, they just wander back in and swipe out because all the swipes are outside of the classroom. So they're just doing it to punch in and punch out, and they're not really there, and it's kind of a false, you know... Uh, reflection of of whether they were there or not. So I just decided to to quit being their parent and it's up to them to come. It's up to them to engage. And if they don't, then it's probably going to reflect their grade. To be clear, I did observe several students who seemed to be taking notes diligently and mostly paying attention. One of those was Bailey Green, a junior who was in the second row with her laptop out and her screen had the class slides. Even this student, though, says she sometimes struggles to focus in lecture. I do think that our technology makes it harder to pay attention just because, like, I mean, like you said, like, there's constant notifications going off and everything in the world is right at our disposal. And so, I mean, like, the stuff that he's saying, I could probably look up on the Internet anyways. You know what I'm saying? Like, going to class is important. Like, I'm not saying it isn't, but, like, I'm just saying You're in the second row. You're there. (laughs) I'm there. I'm there. And, I mean, I like to pay attention, and, like I said, I like to be in the front, but because I, even on the second row in one of my other classes, there's a guy that sits in front of me that plays video games. I'm, yeah. And so, I mean, like, it's distracting to me, too, because I'm, like, well, I'm trying to listen, but, like, how's he doing, you know? Like, how's his game going? And so, I mean, it's just distracting because other people are always on their devices somehow, so... I'd say it's distracting. It turns out that the professor is very aware of this issue of secondhand tech distraction. I've had complaints from students saying just that, where, like in my final evaluation, where it says, I'm really glad that you do allow us to use our devices in class because I use it for um, for note-taking, but I will say that somebody in front of me was shopping on Amazon the whole time, and it distracted me from what I was doing because I, my eyes were wandering onto their screen. And so I did put that into my syllabus, beware that others can see what you're, you're doing and stay on task. And I can only really police it to that level. I can't really, you know, monitor what everyone's watching or doing. Some of this isn't so new, and some of it was happening before the pandemic. But just about everyone I talked to said this kind of blatant disengagement during lecture has skyrocketed since COVID. For Sydney. She says she struggles to overcome bad habits she developed when every class was on Zoom. Like many students during Zoom time, 
She had turned off her camera, so the professor had no idea whether she was paying attention or not. And I think during COVID and, like, being online and being on Zoom, I would just, like, camera off, muted, I'm on my phone the entire time. I feel like it's safe to assume that when it's like that, people are doing other things behind the screen. I myself was. I'd be watching videos, I'd be doing other things, kind of treating it almost like a podcast. Like, I'm listening, but I'm doing other stuff. I would, like take my dog on a walk and be in class technically (laughs) but the professor wouldn't know because you know I'm uh, camera off muted and like what kind um, of videos did you watch I would watch like cooking videos I would watch anime I would watch literally like full-on tv shows (laughs) like that within that hour I would just be doing something else so now being back in the classroom I'm kind of still in that zone where I'm like there's an actual person there's an actual lecture going on in front of me Um, I just have to mentally be present and with you know the double technology thing going on I it's easier to zone out if that makes sense By double technology, she means sitting there with her iPad and her phone out while the teacher is going on about the history of commercial video. It's actually a very exciting time to be in the world of video production, Um, not only because, um, you know, it's changing the way that traditional media does anything, but a lot of new forms of video storytelling are are coming up. Um, That time of Zoom University was hard for professors, too, because they suspected that students were tuning them out but they didn't really have any way to tell which ones were or how their words were landing. Once we got out of the classroom and onto Zoom, it was really difficult for us teachers to get any engagement at all or any level of, you know, turn your camera on or whatever it may be. I was talking to a box of blank screens. Now, to be clear, this is not just in John's class. He is a successful teacher who's been doing this for years, and he's not alone. Students like Haley say they are seeing it all across campus. Something has deeply shifted. This semester at Texas State, this is the first time I've ever had, like, two of my different professors, like, literally yell at us because of how the students were acting. And I've just, like, we're in college, you know, you know, they shouldn't have to do that just because people are talking or people, you know, we have, like, a guest speakers and then people are just getting up and leaving in the middle of class but while we have guest speakers you know that's very rude and disrespectful um I've just never had that happen before until this year and so yeah you can tell the the new class of kids it's just it's different and it's not just at Texas State I reached out to a national expert on college teaching Josh Eiler who is director of the Center for Excellence in Teaching and Learning at the University of Mississippi and who has written a book on effective college teaching. And he said this is happening across the country. I did a workshop uh, on my own campus about student disengagement uh, a, few, a few weeks ago with my colleague. And the first thing we talked about was a major hurdle at this moment is that students are bringing with them their conditioned Zoom behaviors into the in-person uh, setting. And so, so what does that mean? That means that uh, many, uh, you know, in many cases, there was at least a year, maybe less, maybe more, depending on where you were, of shutting off the camera, of not of doing other things while the teaching was happening, checking email, uh, you know, watching a video through headphones, um, 
It wasn't an ideal pedagogical circumstance to begin with, but it was exacerbated by the formats, right? And so they're bringing with them, though, those behaviors that were conditioned over the pandemic into the in-person setting. The, the difference that we're seeing is that the distraction was cultivated in a certain kind of way by the teaching modality that most people were using you know, to, with no fault of of their own. I mean, we ha- we had to we had to use it, but it has it has created an environment or, or cultivated behaviors that students are now bringing with them. Experts have been calling this a nationwide student disengagement crisis, and he says the professors he's talking to are really struggling with this because it's not just a crisis for disengaged students; it's also a crisis for the educators. Teaching is a deeply personal thing, uh, and um, faculty take it very seriously and they take it very personally. And so what, even though they're trying their best, this has been deeply frustrating as, and has affected uh, their, their approach to the classroom, their, their thinking about students, even their career. Many are, you know, we have lots of evidence of people leaving higher ed because they just can't. Uh, do this anymore, be in a situation where they just feel like what they're contributing in the classroom is not landing, is not that the students are not engaging with them, and they, they, they feel deeply frustrated by that. As we said, not all students are disengaged, of course. And for the diligent students, coming to class and seeing so many students checked out is also deeply frustrating. I have some classes where, like, our attendance is literally part of our grade and people don't show up. And I'm like, that stresses me out as a student, like not being (laughs) not being in class and like the thought of like failing an exam because I'm not in class because I miss information is so stressful. You're stressed for them like a night. You're like, it's like a nightmare that you've like been enrolled in a class and just realized it. And now you haven't you've missed it all. And now you have to take the final. Right. Well, and then I have. I mean, I just know people because I, I just know people that will be like, eh, I don't really want to go to class. I'm just going to sleep in. I'm like, how do you do that? Because I mean, like, you're paying for this just to fail, just to miss information that they're trying to teach you. And I mean, you're paying for this education. You chose this major because it's what you want to learn about, and yet you're not showing up. And so I don't understand. I don't understand because I don't miss class. But I have so many people that are like, mm, I miss that class both times this week and I'm like well then go home like there's no point Bailey does have a theory though and it's basically that that period of zoom teaching led not just to bad classroom habits but it shifted how some students value their time in class I feel like covid and zoom stuff it just put school on the back burner like, I feel like it made school less important for everybody. And, like, that's why people are skipping now. Because they're like, oh, I, I mean, I, I can look it up. Or I can find this somewhere else. Or I can contact someone that's in that class and get help that way. And so I just feel like it put school on a back burner. And people feel like it's not as important anymore. And having an education is not as important anymore. And so people miss class there because they're like, oh, I'll get it done. Like, it'll be fine. I'll just... Does it bother you that they might get the same diploma as you and not do much? Um, yes. Because if having a degree is part of having experience and I'm and someone has like worked their butt off to have that and another person just like cheats their way through and like is able to offer this degree is, "Hey, I finished it. I had these credentials, but 
And like they get a job over me, but I have better credentials and I have a better understanding, but they don't know that because we have the same degree. Like that's a problem. I mean, people might be hiring people that don't even have the experience. They just have the degree and they just decided to blow out their classes and found some way to pass. The more I talked with students and professors, the more I understood how complicated this issue is. Because I grew to understand that it's not just some simple narrative that disengaged students are just being lazy. That was especially clear from something that Haley told me, the student who was studying for another class during the lecture. I feel like maybe a lot of students since the pandemic, I know for me personally, like I have like really bad social anxiety now sometimes or just going in like, you know, we went from staying at home with maybe like a couple people or, you know, seeing your small circle to now I'm having to go to classes where there's hundreds of people around me. Like when the semester started for me, I was struggling, like going to class because you know, there's hundreds of people around me. And like, I was just getting so such bad anxiety and freaking myself. I think a lot of other kids are maybe dealing with that right now, too. Haley said she didn't really have any social anxiety before the pandemic. And this anxiety, it's not just feeling a little nervous. Yeah, so it's physical symptoms. I'll get really hot. I'll literally feel like I'm like going to pass out. Um, Sweaty palms, you know, or maybe the social aspect, like sometimes like I, you know, I want to raise my hand in class to answer a question or something. And like, I literally like, can't even like muster up like the courage to just raise my hand and say something because everyone's going to be looking at me or I'm going to sound stupid. And which I know sounds, you know, probably stupid to say, but yeah, that I hate that because it's so dumb. It's something so minor and small, but that's just something with anxiety that happens, unfortunately. There were a couple of moments in this communication class when a student raised their hand and asked a question. And I will say that those were times that the students paid the most attention. The whole room looked up from their devices to see what was being said. Yes. I know you can hardly hear that question. I actually could hardly make it out in the moment. The room is just too big for this kind of interaction, really. Yes, yes. Well, so what they would say is like, okay, they realized a lot of people were cutting their their cable off because like the the cable company... But people were trying to hear it and seemed curious about what was being asked. These moments were very few. There were just maybe three times when students asked a question in this 90-minute class. Several folks that I talked to said they knew students who were really struggling to handle in-person school these days. Um, Not to make it all negative, but I know lots of people who feel that they need to drop out or need to leave school because it is just too much on them. And... um, That, I think, is valid. That's Sydney again, the student who says that she used to listen to Zoom lectures while walking her dog. I think it's something that, you know, you can, you know, see, come enter for like a semester and see if it's something that works for you. And if it's not, then, you know, you have the choice to to do something else and go in a different direction. Um, Do you think it's harder because of the COVID time, like coming back to it? Is that... I think for some people it is um, just because it just felt like we were teaching ourselves for such a long period of time. Again, I did my first two years of college online, and it just felt like I just did it myself in a, in a way. And yes, I passed. Yes, I'm here now, but I was so close to staying online and finishing completely online, but... Something happened to where I was like, no, I can't. <laughs> I just can't keep doing this. So it was, it was I think for, for sure some people have a really hard time, you know, getting back in the flow of like actually being in school. 
um, versus online and um, but that loss just that loss of motivation that burnout the feelings that you get when you just can't get up to go to class physically I think is real and like there's been times where I haven't been wanting to I don't feel motivated to go and I want to lay here but I do make the effort to come and and try and so it's been working for me but I understand it doesn't work for for everyone okay so what about the student that I saw apparently playing a video game on his phone during class that's just laziness right it turns out there's more to that story than I first guessed I mean, I'm more focused on the lecture than on my phone, but I need something to avert my eyes to, you know? Yeah. Something like that. It's more of I'm a fidgeter type thing. I'm not really doing anything. That's really uh, taking up my uh, attention on my phone. I'm really listening to a lecture, but I'm just yeah moving around. The student is Austin Nunes, and he is a digital marketing major. I had noticed all during class that he was tapping his right leg nervously. Like, maybe it was a struggle to be sitting still. I mentioned this moment to my host, Rachel Davenport, and she was sympathetic to the student's situation. I will share my own story, which is that I have been diagnosed with ADHD. And so for me, just sitting still and passively absorbing is not a possibility. I I can't just sit still. I don't just have that in classes or meetings. I even have that with watching TV. So even if you're showing me you know, an action film with a ton going on, I still cannot just physically sit still, especially not for a long period of time. And one of the strategies that I use um, in something like a meeting would just be, uh, I pull out my phone and I'll glance at something. And sometimes it's just the weather app. Like, oh, I wonder what the weather is. But I do it when I start to feel my focus shifting. Even if I'm taking my medication, um, when my focus starts to shift, I'll often kind of give myself something different I look at a text, I look at, and maybe I send one back. I look at my weather app. um, And then that kind of helps reset. And so then when I tune back in, maybe I was only tuned out for 10 to 30 seconds, but I'm, it it really did, does help me focus back in. Whereas if I don't do something like that, my focus is gone and it doesn't come back. And so I'm, I don't know that 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 kind of thing is true for everybody, but I know for me, it is a useful tool that I even use as an adult. So it's not that smartphones and laptops are somehow all bad. It's clear they're everywhere these days, and even more of a go-to now than before the pandemic. In fact, one thing I noticed that student who was tapping his leg doing on his phone during class was looking at a lot of pictures. And he explains that those were actually part of his final project for the class. We have to create a slideshow. Yeah. So I'm looking through my old... Uh, concert photos, trying to find the best ones because I need five really good ones to edit and put into there. So I was looking through all my photos mostly, trying to find some good ones, moving them into Google Drive so I could edit them later. As this lecture on digital video wound down, the professor ended with details about the next assignment, which did have Austin and other students attentive again. So, again, this is all in preparation for your um, assignment due next week which is the WordPress assignment, the topical website. Um, Just make sure you get all the requirements. Hopefully you've already done the website, you've done the about page. So how did the professor here think it all went with the low attendance and the distractions? It feels like almost 
a gift that they come to class. It kind of feels like, okay, at least there were 60 in the room and I didn't have to do Zoom and I'm doing the best I can physically here with what we have. His lecture was about how much entertainment media and news have changed in the past 50 years with new technology and events in the world. And so the pandemic and the rise of Zoom and devices kind of feels like part of that. There has been a shift in student views that may never go back to where it was. I think it's changed forever, to be honest with you. I think that the way that students think about school and higher education in general has changed. A lot of those students, their first two years of their whole entire college experience were online, you know, and so with that groundwork laid, and a lot of them, you know, even in high school had to, you know, spend it online. And so we've already been pretty good in the School of Journalism and Mass Communication, a lot of my classes going hybrid. And so when the pandemic did hit, we were quickly able to jump to Zoom, able to have all these assignments online already, have tutorials for them, everything was kind of done online, which was great. Uh, for us when we did transition. And so now I think it it has changed, I think, forever in the way that I just don't think it'll ever be the same. Unfortunately, I think that there will always be this kind of in the back of my mind, well, I could be doing something else or I could be listening to this while I'm you know, at work. Even I've had students do that or whatever they're doing, kind of doing school from home. And so it's kind of become a very uh, less of an in-person experience. Or at least the old ways of doing that in-person teaching experience may not work the way they used to. This was the first of three classes that I was here to see. Tomorrow I was headed to a psych class and then a biology class. And I'd heard that in those classes, the professors were already trying to adjust their teaching to adapt to these changing student behaviors and expectations. So what does that look like? Find out on part two, which we'll have on this feed in January. This has been the Ed Surge Podcast. Every week we explore how learning is changing. I'm still working on part two of this series on student disengagement after COVID. If you have a comment or a quick story that you want to share, please email me at jeff at edsurge.com or call our listener line and leave a message. That number is 202-990-8525. That's 202-990-8525. And if you like the show, please follow us wherever you listen to podcasts and tell a friend about the EdSurge podcast on social media. This episode was written and produced by me, Jeff Young, and I am on Twitter at JRYoung or on my website, jeffyoung.net. Editing for this episode by Rob McGinley Myers. And music by Komaku. Thanks also to Rebecca Koenig. We'll be back next week with another episode of the Ed Surge Podcast. Thanks for listening. How'd you do on that stats exam? I actually did really good. I got, I think, like a 95. So nice. it worked out. That studying in my media class worked out. So.